0: Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we are going to be discussing sketches from UCB and Loading, Ready, Run. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth Alcorn. Hello. Julian Morgan. Hi. And Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. Hi. And I'm Andy Weld. Today, we are happy to have on as a guest, Megan Wills. Megan, how are you? Hi, how are you guys? Doing well. Awesome. So, Megan, can you tell us about your background in comedy?
1: Uh, well, I was an actor for twenty years. Um, that kind of ages me a little bit because I've now been doing improv for ten years.
2: You could have started when you were like five. Yeah,
1: I did. I started when I was eight. Okay, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. all right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I always liked comedy better. Um, there were a couple things that happened during shows that I had to kind of improvise, and it was awesome. So, I was always a sketch nerd too. Um, but I had a friend who was like, I'm going to go audition for this improv group, and I was like, you have good luck with that. (laughs) Um, And he was like, come on, you can just come and watch. And then I ended up auditioning. Uh, They put me in a conservatory, and then we got turned into a troupe, and then that troupe was a troupe for seven years, and then I started directing and coaching outside independent teams, and then those independent teams became my house teams when I started my own theater Improv theater mainly, but we do stand up, musical, comedy, all kinds of anything. Well, What's the name of your theater? Charm City Comedy Project in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah,
0: nice. And now, how long have you been running the Charm City Comedy Project? Uh,
1: it's four and a half years.
0: Nice. And do you still enjoy it? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I do I realize that could have been a loaded question. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, and and so, and you put on a festival,
1: right? Yes, this is our fifth festival, so, so what's very, the festival like? Uh, I like it very much. I think it's nice and low key. I think a lot of festivals overreach, and I feel like in our first couple of years we overreached in trying to like fill too big of venues, etc. And then we just realized that like we had a niche, and that niche was small, intimate comedy. So we kept our festival intimate as well. And one of the things I think that's unique about our festival is that we do charge a very small amount to get in um but then it goes right back into your pocket with swag so that's one of the things I'm proud about I make hardly any money on that festival.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now sorry I was going to say like uh, uh, we we've done Bad Medicine's done uh, Charm City Festival like since it's since the very start like even the I I still wear swag from the very first. Yeah, yeah.
1: Having taken it off, my 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 performer's bracelet. Believe that I can't believe no significant other ever bullied you into taking that off for any formal occasion. I don't. (laughs) I don't know if
2: you've ever met his his now fiance, but I think she would just kind of give up that fight more than yeah. else, like,
3: <laughs> she would just shrug and be yeah, like all be right like whatever, well this it, is who you. i'm
2: marrying yeah. i guess
3: <laughs> god bless that woman yeah no but uh, but we've we've been doing it every year since you started and it, it i think it just speaks to like the the like the the scene there where like it, it is very intimate and it is like everyone kind of gets to interact with each other yeah and uh, it's it's a fun festival the crowd is always so giving and uh, it's one of my favorite places. Baltimore is one of my favorite places to perform for that reason.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've we've always treated that sort of as a great festival to test our new shows and our new material because we just get such, we get very honest feedback from the audiences there. Like, it's always really positive and receptive. But we can definitely tell when it's golf claps versus like real belly laughs, and it's it's always a, it's just such a great yeah environment, also,
3: like supportive. Yeah, but also like they're like you know yeah you could, you could have done this better. But also it's like you never feel it like like in other cities like New York where you're just like everyone's so smug and all that stuff like that. And that's the part of the best part about Baltimore. And Megan, when you're
0: picking the axe for the festival, what are you looking for?
1: Mainly whether I personally like them, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's, but the fact of the matter the show. is, <laughs> um, the fact is that I try to let almost everyone in that applies. Um, in the last couple of years, that's become a little bit harder. I've had to shave off some people, but in those cases, it was kind of a no-brainer. Like, their material was, eh, or whatever. Um, every sketch group and improv group that applied this year got in. Some of them didn't work out, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. said at the last minute they weren't available. We switched them out with somebody else or whatever, but...
2: Is there anything that you see in terms of content where you just say, no, I'm not going to have humor or comedy like that as part of my festival. As a
1: woman business owner, I really have to represent like it n- not just as a person, but like I have to kind of lead the way as far as like how things should look from the outside. So, I mean there were definitely a couple of stand-up comics that I turned down this year that had a woman bashing kind of humor and I just don't find it funny at all, so that breaks rule 1. Yeah. You know, um and, and when you're turning down those acts, are, are you saying why you're turning them down? Or is it more just like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have space this year? Oh, yeah. I'm real nice about it. Yeah. yeah. Because the fact of the matter is that some of those people, maybe not that person in particular that I'm thinking of, but some of those people might end up on, you know, on a on a list to, to get in when somebody else drops out. So I want to be as nice to them as possible because I, I do want them to apply again And in a lot of cases. There, there aren't that many people that I'm just like, ugh, no. Introducing our first sketch today. It's Megan. Hey, everybody. So UCB is uh, shorthand for Upright Citizens Brigade, and they were founded in 1990 at I.O. Chicago. Uh, There was a bunch of really people that are now very famous in it, but four of them, Amy and Ian and Matt and Matt, uh, scored a sketch TV show on Comedy Central, and it came on late night. It was right around the perfect time for me because I was trying to figure out whether or not I wanted to do dramatic theater or comedy, and this kind of pushed me over the line into comedy. They have been major leaders over the last 20 years and have contributed to the improv and sketch scene with four theaters on two coasts, an epic improv festival, which is my favorite, the Del Close Marathon, uh, and they've obviously gained varying levels of commercial success. So one thing I loved about the show was that a lot like improv, the sketches went away and then came back, like callbacks. Uh, But because of this, the standalone sketches were more rare. And this particular sketch board meeting is one of my favorites because it stands on its own as a strong, short sketch. And as an improviser, I really love the heightening and the multiple levels of game. All right, here's a clip.
3: Sir, sir. I'd like to take this opportunity to speak belligerently.
2: I
0: welcome
3: it. One of you twisted bastards is guilty.
2: And if I had my way, I'd bury you all up to your necks in sand, cover you with honey and red ants, and kick your heads in until one of you confessed.
3: Thank you for your input, Cooper. My pleasure. All right,
4: there you go. Now, she made poor- I'd like to speak incoherently.
1: I don't see why you shouldn't.
0: <laughs> All right, Megan, why did you bring this sketch for us today?
1: Well, it's. Just one of the things is that I'm like a language nerd. I love grammar. I have a natural editor's mind, and I'm kind of a writer. I'll, I'm a, I guess I'd say I'm a frustrated writer because I don't write. Um, but I, I, It's just I, writing. Yeah. I, I do find that yeah. improv is kind of like writing in the moment, you know, because you can take improv and turn it into sketch. So, like, a good sketch a lot of times will have those elements of improv game and, you know, just the very dopiest initial level of game in this is the language game, which is, may I speak, I believe he says plainly or... Frankly? Frank, so one frankly of those, or, yeah. right? Yeah. Or candidly, maybe? Yes, candidly. So I think that's candidly. it. Yes. So, And then the whole rest of the bones of the sketch are based around that. We move on from one character to the other, um, each playing that game. Well, let's start with
0: the setting of the sketch. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed. and it's, We've talked about lots of different settings. We talked about the game show sketch, stuff like that. But the boardroom sketch... Is a type of sketch. You see it a lot of places. Megan, what is what are the pros to the boardroom setup for a sketch?
1: Well, one of the things that it does is for sure play into stereotypes, which aren't necessarily a bad thing, you know, especially when you're talking about like recalling that sort of iconic, you know, meeting type of meeting. There's a lot of different kinds of scenes that come up over and over again in movies and plays and Board meetings is one of them, and it's great because everybody's all gathered around, and so they're forced to interact with each other in a way that's different than a normal yeah, place. It's a very self contained uh, thing, there
0: are like literally four walls, and it's self contained. EK, what are the cons of the boardroom sketch? I don't know, okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine, I, mean, I, don't, <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, I guess. I mean, it's, I'm it's, asking like, about cons,
2: you know, you've got you've got. Obvious space limitations. I think from it's it's something that works really well in video. Um, if you're trying to execute it in a live environment, obviously you have to be mindful of how many people you have on a stage and in a performance space. You could run into some issues of just presenting um, an energetic scene because typically, if you if you really want to stay down the path of of embracing what that is, it's people sitting at a table. Um, so unless the the kind of writing itself is really energetic and exciting, that could get a little visually boring. That's yeah, that's what I've got.
3: Yeah, like I, I think I think like to what you're saying, like you have people sitting at a table, so like you have to. It's like it's kind of like a also the, the same kind of format as like like a, a dinner setting or something like that, where yeah. you have to figure out ways when you're building your game or like the comedic joke, the the comedic idea, you have to like. Do it in a way where it's surprising to the audience, but also keeps everyone at the table. Because if the second someone decides, like, I've had enough, I'm leaving, then that kind of shrinks your idea.
2: Yeah, it's it's not a great format for, like, a character sketch, I don't think. Because it would be so easy to just, you know, at that point you're doing, you're kind of doing a monologue anyway. So why do you have four or five other people just sitting around? who aren't just getting up and leaving so it's it's definitely something that's better better suited to having several characters on a kind of level playing field as far as their interactions with each other.
0: One of my favorite things in this sketch is the subtle physicality or these little physical things that happen that are really great. I think the hardest I laughed in the sketch is after the death when he shoots himself. And you kind of hear this muted gunshot. It's not very loud. But then you kind of see his head like fall flatly into the scene. Yeah. Like it's doesn't, it doesn't look like he like dropped like a sack of potatoes. It's just kind of like almost gentle falling down. Um, and that made me laugh. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? He plays Mike McClintock on Veep.
4: Um, but him yeah. covering yeah. Those, the, his Walsh. eyes yeah. the with yeah. his <laughs> wallet <laughs> yeah. not 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 the blogger Matt Walsh, the, com- right. the comic the comed- actor. Yeah, yeah. 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 Matt, Matt, Matt yeah.
0: Walsh. He's covering his eyes with that. Um, Seth, can you talk about like the ways that subtle physicality can do you think? Because these kind of these little things that really add a lot as an actor.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's uh, I guess because we're talking about a boardroom sketch, and there that particular room just seemed cramped to me. Uh, So yeah, they had to do little physical things. There wasn't the room to do big physical things. This is not always true of every boardroom sketch, but it wasn't this one. Um, So the little physical touches add more to the character. They make the character more believable. They add, uh, in the case of what you were just talking about, Matt Walsh's mask, some great absurd moments. I I think uh, Matt Besser's just sort of old, stodgy physicality, as I would call it. Like, any time he sits up or stands down, it looks like his body hurts a little yeah, bit. Yeah, stiff. He can't move all of his joints. Uh, and, and just, again, just a little touch like that went a pretty long way towards, uh, uh, towards giving him a character. Like, we knew who that guy was from the moment he started to stand up or sit down.
0: Megan, can you add to that some of the physicality? And especially as an improviser, and physicality can sell so much about the character. Physicality in this sketch and physicality in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm... I'm constantly trying to pound into, you know, my improv students is to pick some physicality. Jill Bernard, who's one of the famous improv teachers, has this thing called Vapapo, and voice, attitude, and posture are one of the first three of those letters. Uh, So changing your posture can go a really long way towards establishing anything at all. And sometimes when you come out into a scene, you really don't have anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I, I'd rather you pick something physical than la 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. means talk a lot.
3: Yeah, but yeah. The, I hate talk talking head scenes, especially in improv, but more in sketch, too. I, I, I think just like, I, I loved um, Amy Poehler when she like, allow me to... I'm, I'm,
4: I'm, give me the opportunity to speak belligerently. And she gets up and she's just like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. One of the things that they do to at least give the semblance of movement, and again, this is a, to EK's point about it working better uh, on video than um, live, is that the the way that the camera moves and the way that the camera cuts gives, gives more of an impression of movement, which is pretty necessary for that scene because they are almost just sitting there talking at you.
2: Yeah, I think I think that helps with pacing too because you have that edit in the video. You can add speed when and, yeah. and or create the impression of speed and a faster pace that you might not be able to convey or create on stage.
3: Yeah, also it, it does with pacing too because then that's how you kind of share focus. Where everyone is like, if on stage, everyone was like rah rah, 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 rah and then stop. The CEO talks, Amy talks, Matt Walsh talks. And they, they kind of follow that same sequence. And then it, it it's like it's like easier on the audience to like follow that.
0: Now, Megan, this was part of the UCB TV show. And so what was kind of the format of that TV show? And why did it work, why did it work well for television or work well for UCB?
1: Did so, it well for yeah, it was great because it was sort of like the setup was that they were these space age intellectuals who like had a bigger plan for us. Like we were just these puppets that they were manipulating um, and like it, the irony of it is that nothing that they ever did did any good for anyone at all <laughs> you know so yeah it it's it and then it would be like a lot of sketches that would come back, you know, like Bucket of Bucket of Truth, Truth is a is a classic, mm-hmm. and you know you sort of wait for it to come back, you know, and if it do, you know if it's if it's done, then you're you're disappointed. Another one of my absolute favorites was like Amy Poehler playing the little Girl Scout. Yeah. Girl, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the Unabomber. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and like some of the stuff they hit a little hard. Like let's say Little Donnie, for example, and the whole thing of that was a rubber dick. You know, having yeah. a big rubber dick. Yeah. So those are enjoyable, but not necessarily ones that I'd go back for a bunch. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like the show holds up well? Yes.
1: Yeah. And some of them I don't feel like do. I don't. No, other shows. Yeah. So maybe yeah, I won't yeah. name names
3: like ass pennies I think holds up a little bit more than like uh what was the one where they they were like um
4: I can't remember
3: words of skipping but they were like um what's the word for Japanese monsters again
4: kaiju Kaiju. yeah 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 the kaiju fight yeah kaiju
3: fight where I was like not
4: like that was just kind of Yeah, it's just Ian Roberts farting and somebody in a crawfish costume. Some
1: some of the ones I really liked the best were the ones that were just dumb one-note ones. Like the title and the titular line one. (laughs) Do you remember that? (laughs) Where he just follows the guy around that comes back several times. He's following around the video store.
4: I had the titular line in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so tired of all these... Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That I just I love
1: that sketch. It's amazing. But we're,
2: we're gonna um, have to include a lot of links in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <So> well, <we're
1: just laughs> <Sorry. laughs> no, I did go
2: over and look and and you guys yeah. hadn't done any U C B yeah, sketches no, I, before. Yeah, I, no, I think it's so.
0: great. We're always we're always Oh to well, wait, well, wait while
2: we're talking about ucB did i did i hear right and i'm you know, not not trying to stir up shit. I'm I'm going to call it a controversy, but the the move of the Dell Close Marathon to L.A. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that a con? Is that a thing? Are people upset uh, about it? Are, I mean, uh, as in as much as
1: they're upset about anything that they can't change.
4: <laughs> well, I think it's also, and this is speaking as someone who has never actually been to the Dell Close Marathon, but having it in New York meant that for a lot of East Coast comedians, it was relatively easy to get to right? Mm, yeah. Here, Baltimore, Philly, uh, Boston to a lesser extent, you can drive to New York City. You can't... What? Yes. <laughs> 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 you you know, now everybody's got to get a plane ticket to go out to LA. So. Boston's only four and a half hours from New York. Oh, is it? I thought it was a little bit farther than that. No. But yeah, so it's... Huh. yeah. So all of these places, a lot of comedy, eminently drivable. I mean, even Chicago, it would have been uh, more of a drive, but you it's could like still
2: do it in a... 11 hours. Yeah, right. Like so a couple yeah. of days maybe. So, huh. back
0: to the sketch. Yeah. Megan, did you feel like there were any boardroom characters that should have been there that weren't? Um, or any was there was there anything you think they kind of missed on that they could have brought in? Was there another style of speaking that they could have done? I just, I
1: really, I I, I kind of think of it as a perfectly crafted sketch. So, I mean, the, the, anything that they would have added would have just kind of taken away from it, you know. You, you can't hit. Too many times, mm-hmm. or people will lose interest. So, I think they hit it. They hit it in enough different ways. Yeah, I mean, and for me, I don't know whether you're planning on talking about this, but I just can't stop laughing thinking about how the obliviousness. Yeah. Of the characters, yeah. that was a big yeah. thing, you know. The wallet in front of the yeah. uh, good lord, someone's just sitting <laughs> with my wife, and yeah, then he like so nods, fair. like yeah, yeah. I, I can't like, reveal. I have the to respect that man's person. anonymity, like <laughs> yeah. all that, all that is just, and, and the good lord, Rogers is dead, like yeah, yeah, that good lord, he's dead is a good line. All very and like, and even it drags it out to the very last second when uh, when Amy's reading the letter, yeah, you know, yeah. I it, I hardly could stand sitting through this meeting, but blah blah and then she says, like Rogers. CEO. I'm like, yeah, did you really I'm need so to read right. the CEO yeah, part? Yeah, CEO like, part. Yeah. So yeah, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> and yeah. I love that kind of comedy. So
3: yeah, it almost seemed like so, like the for me, the game or like the comedic idea was uh that that they're deflecting blame through grandstanding. So like, if there was like a if like I, I, I wanted like, uh, like allow me to speak congressionally, and they just like that, that to me that would have been like another like oh
4: yeah,
2: I thought
3: delicately
4: uh, could be one kind of like
3: no, dancing oh, delicate, around the topic.
4: Yeah. yeah. Your question about what character was missing—I think there, there, there is room for someone to have said, "Can I speak sycophantically?" Yeah. Uh, because we really didn't have anybody trying to kiss a whole lot of ass. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure whether <laughs> yeah. that would have added to the scene. It's something that could have been done. I don't know that it should have been.
3: It, it, it could the, have been done early, like like, like it's, instead of sarcastic, like maybe like the first beat would have been sycophantically, and then sarcastically, and then yeah, or
2: th- or the classic meeting character of the typically the guy, who will repeat a point that's already been made in some way or restate a point and try to take credit for the idea.
4: May I speak repetitiously or repetitively? Yeah, yes. That would yeah. been,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the may I
1: speak incoherently one, yeah. really oh, right. I that one tied it all together. It was really just, and then he good. says like, great job, after he's done. <laughs> yeah. um, Excellent But it. interestingly enough, like the very last one, may I speak posthumously, uh, does what, going back to your earlier point, it finds a way to remove someone from the table.
4: This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe, Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy.
0: Up next today, we have our first sketch that was submitted to us by a listener. So, like I've been saying at the end of the show, to send us sketches, we will talk about the sketches if you send it to us. Thank you, Cyrus, for sending in this sketch. And we'll have uh, Elizabeth E.K. Kemp introduce this one.
2: We're going to take a look at Loading Ready Run's Everything is Fine. Loading Ready Run is a Canadian sketch comedy troupe and video production team based in British Columbia, founded by Graham Starkland and Paul Saunders. This group launched back in October 2003 as a sketch comedy group that posted a new video every week without fail, all of them written, performed, and edited by members of the Loading Ready Run crew. They posted their final sketch on December 30th, 2014, in, a, in this long-running series, and since then they've continued with other video series including Commodore Hustle, Checkpoint, Friday Nights, Feed Dump, and more. Uh, While they produce content independently, they've also produced content in conjunction with other people and sites under the name Bionic Trousers Media, and all of that information is available on their wiki site, which we lifted from word for word.
0: (laughs) Here's a clip.
3: (laughs) let me in! Ryan? Jason, you're here? Did you tell Nate how everything is fine? Yes, he knows. Right, yes, because everything is fine. Why are you guys shouting? There's no need to shout, Nate. You need to relax. How can I relax when you guys won't tell me what's going on? Who told you something's going on? Has Lars been here? Wait, I thought... No, there's no reason to panic. Everything is fine. Yes, I heard you.
0: Good, because it is vitally important that you stay calm. I was calm, but now you
2: guys are freaking me out.
0: All right, Ek. How does the sketch escalate, and does it escalate effectively?
2: Uh, so I think the setup of this this sketch is that you are in you are put in this immediately into a situation where there's clearly something is not okay. Um, but it's the ongoing joke through this sketch is that you have these two characters who are clearly trying to conceal something, hide something, insisting that everything is fine, everything is fine, and. Well, initially, it just starts with that statement, this very urgent insistence that everything is fine. You see then layers added on with every beat about hidden identities and, you know, authorities coming. And finally, the guy who is um, sort of confused at the start actually embracing this and suddenly taking part in sort of concealing whatever is happening. It's never made clear what that is, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think there is a clear game. I think there's very real escalation, and yeah, uh, very very well done.
3: Yeah, what well, what I think is like uh, I think all like all of the, you know, the, the passports and all that stuff like that are just elements of what the comedic idea is, and was just like they're all, what they're really trying to do was just escalate the paranoia by like r- getting really specific. I, I always like to think of there's like a few ways that you can you can heighten a scene, and one way is to get even more and more specific. So like first he just hands them. Uh, of a fake wig and just like hey if someone asks where this I'm not here and then he and then <laughs> it's like he like he pushes something like pushes a bookcase in front of the door like it's just like all of those things are just adding to the tension of the scene so like like what isn't necessarily heightening like in a traditional sense where like one thing is a progression of the other it's more just dialing down into what's more specific
2: well, it's like, it's like a snowball effect, right? Like that's how I was yeah. kind of looking at it. Like they're just adding layers and layers of detail and right. information, and even the, the the pacing of the speech and the interactions keeps increasing as the sketch goes on.
0: I didn't find that to be the case as much. I thought it seemed pretty. I thought it kind of came in at one pace and felt like it stayed at that pace pretty much the whole time. It it, it didn't seem to me like there was much forward momentum. Um, you add the other character, yes, but he comes in at seemingly the same note as the first character to me. So I I, I I found it a little lacking in terms of going somewhere Megan, what did you think?
1: Um, just on on what was just being said uh, that is one of the things that I, I do try to teach in character development is to kind of create a spider web of traits um, and that that is a, a thing that they did with the the adding on of the fake names and the and the beard and like all that stuff it did hit the same note over and over. I was surprised that nothing more significant happened other than a third person being added, which did happen at the end. I do feel like that fulfills the rule of threes for me. (laughs) Um, So in that (laughs) way, I felt like it was solid. And I felt like it kind of accidentally made a larger point, which is that this is how mass hysteria is built. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, yeah. there are other movies that make it the point much yeah. more seriously that, that you know we fear is bred by fear. so and, and and people a lot of times are more joiners. even when they start out being leaders, sometimes they be more comfortable becoming a joiner after all said and done.
4: Yeah.
3: I, I think what's interesting is that what's the person that the, the fake name they use is Lars
4: something. Lars. I just remember Lars. Lars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's so, not Ulrich, but that's what comes yeah. to yeah, my mind. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yes, the drummer I, I from the immediately Metallica. think Voorhees, but <laughs> No, yeah. it's it's not, not <laughs> Jason
4: Voorhees. <laughs> oh fuck, it's Jason. That's it's right. Not Lark Voorhees from Saved by the Bell. Anyway. I just completely wow. com- D- I completely uh, just is mashed the, uh, those two things that's together. Yeah. The name um, of the wealthy woman on Kimmy Schmidt, too.
0: That's her last name. Jacqueline Voorhees. Yes.
3: Uh but so like um what what kind of like really kind of fascinated me a little about about the sketch is that like um when this when the second guy comes in and he's he has like you said he has the same exact uh the same exact sort of emotional tone, right, as 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 the first guy that came in. He's not really adding anything, he's just adding new information. And so which I like. Uh but you get the sense that like the two characters that barraged into this into the main guy, the main character's house had the exact same thing happen in another place because he was like the the second guy comes in is like, he says the same thing. You don't know me. Just if someone comes, my name is Lars. And he and the main character is like, wait, I thought your name was Lars. And he was like, wait, that was you? I trusted you. And he fucking jumps at him. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so that 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 means that like this this scene has happened in a, in another location as well. And that was that, that for me that kind of clicked, and I was like, God, that's fucking smart. But that's yeah. also
1: the point where it becomes more cartoonish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because then you have this like e- endless possibility kind of yeah. coming out of it. And, you know, for that, I, I give it props.
4: I'm going to say this, and this might be a little bit controversial at the table. It actually felt like a bad medicine sketch. Like, it felt like something we would have written. Uh, I, I like to think we would have done well, it better. they're
2: also amateurs from Canada, so... And we we're are, not of course, Canada.
4: amateurs from Canada. But um,
2: I, I think I mean, we, this, been... was,
0: this was like... This was a professional main squeeze thing, main gig for them. This was like a... I mean, they were
3: Canadian, but they were Well, well we
2: should get team. into that later, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: we should get into Canada.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's, these these days, yes. Jump the border.
4: Um, but for my money... Uh, There were three unknowns. What happened generally, what Lars did, and what was in the package. And while it would have been dangerous to address any of those directly, having all three of them unaddressed felt a little empty. I agree. Like, one of those three things should have been the button, and none of them were. Yeah, is the ending effective with the delivery man? I, so.
3: I, I I don't think I don't think the, the delivery man was part of any of it. That that was my read. I, th- I thought I was just a guy that showed up and whoever answered whoever rung the doorbell first yeah. was like like that. That's just like you know
2: that. Well, but the, the, mask, the beauty of it being open-ended is that there's the possibility there too that the delivery guy is just going to be another person who's yeah. like, if anyone asks, my name is Lars, <laughs> yeah. and then it just goes and goes and just continues to spiral out of control. I think
0: I would have preferred that ending if the delivery the, man uh, had, yeah, jumped the delivery ended. had like, I have a package,
4: f- I have a package for everything is fine or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like I, uh, I, I did like it when the main guy opened the door and was uh, wearing the wig as a beard yeah. rather yeah. than just yeah. <laughs> a wig on his head. That oh, yeah. made me laugh.
1: You know, it's 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 one it's one game but that to me especially as an improviser is very valuable because those are our palate cleansing scenes the ones that we do that are just that one thing and that's it.
2: It also requires a tremendous amount of discipline to really stay the course.
4: Yeah. That. And I thought the second guy who came in he seemed like he was on the verge of losing it a couple of times. Like, the second yeah, everything yeah. is fine guy just—and I know people, like, there's nervous laughter and whatnot, but he had a big grin on his face in yeah, most of the shots, yeah. and I was like— He felt a little out of place. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It does oh, seem like the—you know, you guys know this is a meme, right? The everything is fine meme with the dog sitting in the burning oh, yeah, down. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. yeah, right? So yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. also struck me was like, oh, oh this is true. basically just like a sketch version of that meme. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, you talked earlier about, um, like, how this reflects the way mass hysteria can spread. Can you talk about confusion and comedy and how you can use confusion to your advantage?
1: Well, I'm a slapstick girl, so going all the way back... To the early days, you know, I I would sit and watch Three Stooges on purpose. You know what I mean? Like as a young, not one of those accidental. <laughs> no, viewers. no, but I mean, it's uh, like you think, and, you, and and yes, think okay, you're, yes, like, okay, porn but that stuff is problematic now. And but it, like at at the end of the day, it was
0: even the best stuff we the do beginning, now. Beginning, yeah, it was the, the, the beginning
1: yeah, it it was the beginning of a, a major kind of surge in comedy, and it took it down to its most simple roots. You know miming, you know, that's that's one of the things, you know, the 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 archetypes, you know, you have to embrace them and cuz those are the things that people can echo through languages and countries and and talk to everybody, speak to everyone. So for me I love that that slapstick life. Yeah, and I I found
0: that I I found that in this sketch and in general, like just creating that confusion can be so positive because you can take it in so many different directions. Because it's a great way, you know, we always talk about, you you know, surprising your audience or you set up expectations and then you change them. And out of confusion, you can do anything,
3: Um, which I. Yeah, I was just building a whole other side story where like, this has already happened in another place and like. You know, like a whole like fan theory about (laughs) this one three minute thing. Well, I think that works perfectly. And if if that, if this, and this setup
0: is great because it can serve that purpose, it can, yeah, it it sets it up so that you can imagine this whole way of like how this has played out before. And when you were explaining that, I was thinking to myself, that's not how I read it, Uh, (laughs) or that's not how I saw it. But that's great because that's what confusion can do, it creates a blank slate.
2: Well, there's, there's the other layer of confusion, too, where this one, they're very clearly setting up mysteries. But, I mean, I, in my mind, the classic example of comedic confusion is Abbott and Costello, who's on first. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, as I was watching this, that's that's the parallel I saw. Like, even though that's a much less physically intensive bit, it's that same kind of thing where you have someone who clearly does understand what's going on, and then people around him, in this case, more than one person... Um, who is just sort of like what <laughs> um, and is trying to understand or trying to operate in that same reality but it's just not working out
3: yeah it's like it's a, that odd man out thing when it's like and i think sean westfall who taught me improv early on uh he, he, he always says pick a character and you think how do you make things worse for that character and that's exactly that's all this thing did and it was funny there's just yeah. like con- just continually finding ways to make things worse for the main character
4: yeah,
0: Seth. Do you find the acting in this sketch to be effective? Uh, now I find that to be a loaded question. <laughs> uh,
3: no, I, I
0: don't. I, don't, I don't, Well, sometimes we don't. I don't. I don't think we often get. We get into it sometimes, but I think sometimes it's good to talk about acting technique and how it can build a sketch. And I did not mean it to be loaded in that way. I just meant like this is an opportunity to talk about acting technique. <laughs> yeah, I
4: didn't think it was that great. Um, they, they
1: didn't take it that serious.
4: No, no. Uh, it, it was. It, it felt really it, it oh. you could tell they were making
3: this for YouTube is like yeah friends it's, it's making that this kind this of for thing YouTube, it it like,
4: just it just didn't like I didn't really believe any of the characters, which is fine. I didn't need to for like for the what the sketch was, but like uh, just to contrast it to what we talked about earlier, like the boardroom scene they were all cardboard cutouts, but I believe that they were those cardboard cutouts. These guys are just three guys jumping around in a room getting hysterical.
1: they played it cartoony yeah. 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 I appreciate the enthusiasm. At least they're not bitter old alcoholics.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I would have liked to see it it, like heightened emotionally for those for those two characters. Yeah, and that would create even greater tension for and make things worse for the main character.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, that that uh, that would be a way that they could continue to pull the game too. Would be if the guy that got pulled in then started making up his own details. Yeah, because right? yeah, that was yeah. the beauty of the confusion was that it like c- kind of leads lends itself to misdirection a little bit. Right, yeah. and like any of this stuff could be bullshit, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. why not just add more bullshit? Yeah, and so that, <laughs> yeah. that
3: that that was one ending that I was kind of contemplating was like if the suddenly the main character just adopts this paranoia. And, and, and instead of closing the door on the uh, on the delivery guy, pulls him in and then starts making up. And then out. delivery yeah. guy
1: gets pulled yeah, in, yeah, right? Yeah, or he calls yeah. his mom yeah. and starts yeah. being like, "Mom, yeah,
2: everything is fine." <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did say I wanted to come back to the the production thing. I mean, I said amateur, but obviously, yeah, they have like this whole production outfit going on. They've been doing this for years. But I think I think the time time stamp on this one was twenty fourteen, something like that. I don't. Um, I, don't I don't remember. I don't well, remember. Well, they exactly. started in
0: 2003. That means it could have been uploaded. Much later, since YouTube wasn't around until 2006,
2: it's po- it's possible, yeah. But I, I know I don't know about you guys, but since since this was something that we uh, a listener submitted to us, I had never actually heard of this group before, and so I immediately got on their channel and started watching, you know, like you know, a weird amount of their videos, not in a creepy way, just like in a d- good due diligence kind of way. Sure. Um, but it's it did strike me that especially with their process of putting out a new video every week. The actual production quality that they were able to achieve in a lot of those videos was very impressive, but it does kind of have that like lo-fi kind of high, high speed production quality that it, that almost at a point seems on brand for them. Right. Like even their logo, the loading ready run thing is like a, a, I think it said in their wiki, it's like a, like a joke about the 64 bit game system. I, I don't know. It was something very nerdy. Yeah. Um but it actually seemed like watching more and more of those of their videos, like that the the sort of almost deliberately low investment acting <laughs> that was right. like that was like yeah. throughout their all of their content. But I mean I just from like I would I would really be fascinated to talk to these guys and just learn kind of about their process and what their thinking is while they're developing this stuff and what they're actually going for.
3: Yeah. yeah. There's a group, I don't know if they're still active, but they're called like 5 Second Films. Sure. Oh yeah, and they uh they're known for making a film like uh, based back in their heyday, um a sketch every day. Wow. They they, they would put out a sketch every day. They they had, they, had, they had like a whole production team that I guess were living in this one guy's house and like actors and producers and like yeah. editors all, all act, they were all living together. They're all comedians, I guess. Uh but they, they, it was all very low budget very straight to the point, but they came out with, like, really great stuff. And so, like, like you said, I'd like to be able to break that brain. How do, how do you choose that content?
2: Whatever happened to Vine?
3: It's Which still con- Collapsed financially. Oh. Yeah. oh. Oh, yeah. It,
0: it ended last year.
2: So oh, it, there you
0: go. Goodbye, Vine. All right, it's time for the end of the show. Megan, as the guest, can you uh, come up with a rating system for how we rate these sketches today?
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to go with uh, the number of fake identities. Ooh, all right, very nice. So let's
0: let's start with uh the board meeting sketch. Um, how many fake identities would you give this sketch? Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. You did say before you thought it was a perfectly crafted sketch. It's
1: pretty damn good. And at this point, I can't tell whether it's bias because I just love those guys so much. Hey, that's uh, that's all yeah. opinion is anyway. <laughs> it's bias, right? It's
4: informed bias, and not always, but sometimes.
1: Seth, uh,
4: I'm gonna give this one a uh, a a, a Batman, number of fake identities. Okay. He's got a number of disguises he uses for crime fighting. And I, I think if you take all of those together, you get this sketch. Okay. EK?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one like this is a solid, a solid enough fake identity that it'll like get you into Mexico, Canada, and back. And, you know, maybe some maybe some European countries that are, you know, that just don't care a lot.
0: Liechtenstein. Yeah. Uh, I would give it um I don't know. I'd give it, I'd give it one Matt Walsh fake identity All as right. he adopted anonymity and uh, had took on a fake identity. I thought this sketch was, um, I thought the the characters were good. I think I just wanted, I wanted to go somewhere more than it did. It, it felt very stationary to me. Julian.
3: Um, I would steal four identities, the UCB four identities, mm-hmm. because the sketch was really good and obviously got them paid. And I stole their identities, I'd be <laughs> out of my credit card debt. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's a
2: really good way of looking at it. I didn't yeah. even think about it from that angle, and that's why I'm glad we're on a sketch group together. <laughs> right.
3: And now
0: everything is blush. fine. God. Let's go back to Julian. Julian, how many uh, s- secret identities or fake I- fake identities would you give Everything is Fine?
3: I would catfish four people with this sketch. <laughs> okay. Um, Anyone named Lars? Uh, no. Uh, oh, Lars is- Amy... Matt, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people from UCB. Uh, did. Because this this sketch is it's fun. I think it it did what it needed to do. Um, I, I don't I don't think it uh, it, it I don't think it had you know grand aspirations. It made me think a little bit, and um, I like I like sketches that kind of make me question things and dig a little deeper. I would give this
0: three fake identities for the three characters we're introduced to after the main character in this. Um, yeah, I know. yeah. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this one. Ek, I
2: would I would give this one the fake identity of of Bobby Dunbar, mm-hmm. which um,
0: who's Bobby Dunbar?
2: So Bobby Dunbar is uh, a kid who went missing back in like nineteen twelve or nineteen fifteen. I like or something it something like that. And relevant. Um, a kid. <laughs> no, this random like someone else's kid. Like the family was like, oh, you know what? That's our missing son. He's ours now. And then it was just accepted by society and this family that this kid was Bobby Dunbar, and of course, like he's not Bobby Dunbar. But it was it was featured in um, uh, an episode of My Favorite Murder and This American Life, and it's an absolutely incredible story. I think there's a Hollywood movie about it too. Well, there's Changeling, but that's actually about um, a different set of murders in California. Um, this is fascinating. Oh yeah, no. This I, I I spent like hours looking into this story. It it Wait, really is it about murder or kidnapping. Well, it's I mean it's I think the kid actually probably died. The theory is that he was eaten by an alligator in the swamp where he went missing. It's a loaded story, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's if no there actual ever a way murder, to die. but mm-hmm. there is like a, like there's this layer of like you know flaws in the criminal justice system. Like this guy was accused of kidnapping and like stolen identity, and it, it's a lot. It's a lot. But needless to say, like it tore the family apart and there was just a lot of confusion and disarray and upset. And that's why I'm making the connection to this sketch, because like (laughs) everything was definitely not fine with the Bobby (laughs) Dunbar situation.
4: That makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Seth, to you with the rating system.
4: Oh, I think as many fake identities as I could get. But unfortunately, only one of them is any good. And that is only good enough to get me through Mexico for two days. Okay, there you go. And Megan, what about you?
1: Uh, well, now I can't stop thinking about serial killers, so I'm going to give it an H.H. H. Holmes. Ah, H. H. Holmes. Ah, Nice. <laughs> he had identities. some fake identities, that guy. <laughs>
0: okay. What a good way to end the show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Megan Wills, for being on today's show. Megan, where can
1: our listeners find you online? Well, I'm Charm City Megan on the Twitter and the Instagram, and uh, Charm City Comedy also. CharmCityComedyProject.com, CharmCityComedyFestival.com, and we've got an internal message system. You can just hit us up via the website if you want to get involved with the festival or be in one of our improv troupes or write sketches
2: for us or put on a musical show, whatever. Awesome. When you said internal message system, I immediately really think Hawk. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't understand any of what you just no, said. Like, except like, like where she said, like, at the end.
3: <laughs> no, she just said internal messaging system, and I just immediately thought Hawk. They, they use know. Hawks. They, they use Hawks to, to, like, before. yeah.
2: Oh, all right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, you.
0: Th- okay, okay. Yeah.
2: Let's just Like Falcon it Falconry? It. Falconry? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Or like. Falconry. Pigeon,
0: okay.
3: pigeon <laughs> messengers or. <laughs>
2: That's the noble hawk. That's like, the, that's noble like, Hulk, that's like the equivalent of like ah! sending a pigeon in all caps or something. Like that's <laughs> 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 you don't send a pigeon. When you mean business, you send a fucking yeah. falcon. <laughs> or like it's, that that's the next evolution of Uber is
1: just like like mail. <laughs> I can't wait till they have drones that can just carry my ass around. No, it's they're in
2: Dubai yet. now. Yeah. It's nuts.
1: Wait, they carry you?
2: Yeah, yeah. They're little like one or two person drones. It's very scary
1: listeners
3: it's please n- like <laughs> my friend lives in dubai and they have the first like robocop like an actual robot that's a cop
2: well i guess that's the end this is this is where it all starts to fall apart listeners please like share and
3: subscribe
2: if you
0: have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down like we did in today's episode please send it to us we'd love to do that you can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcast. For Megan Wills, Seth Alcorn, Julian Morgan, and Elizabeth E.K. Kemp, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden
3: and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by soundtrackforeverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.